I'm going to pray us in and then we're going to get started. And I'm really excited about today. Hi, Coda. How are you, beautiful lady? We're excited to have you. Happy that you're here. All right, Courtney. Hey, y'all showing up. 2030s in the house. That should be a song. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pray us in and then we're going to get started. Dear God, thank you for being the sovereign God that you are. Thank you for being our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are absolutely everything that we need exactly when we need it. And in this moment, I just want to take a second to thank you, to acknowledge you, to recognize and just say that you are God. You are our friend, our father, our helper, our provider, our healer, our way maker. You are just you. <laughs> and we are grateful for you. Um, even before we ask you for anything, we want to thank you for the small things that we sometimes don't acknowledge, like having a roof over our head and food in our refrigerator and money in our bank accounts and the desire, just desires, God, and clean air to breathe and clean water to drink. We thank you for family. We thank you for friends. We thank you for being in the land of the living. And although everything may not be according to how we desire or may want it to be, God, it also isn't as bad as it could be. And for that, we are grateful. So in this moment, God, we welcome you into the midst. You said in your word that when two or more joined in your name, then you are here with us. And we thank you for being present. We thank you for your power. And we just welcome you in to sit in the midst of this conversation conversation and let us truly encounter you. Let this not just be another Facebook live or another podcast conversation, but Lord God, truly let us experience the wisdom, the insight and the revelation found in your word. Um, and I guess expound upon between covenant sisters. And I pray that you Think through our minds, speak through our lips, give us the tongue of the learned so that you are glorified. I also ask that you prepare the hearts and the minds of the readers so that they are ready to receive what it is that you have in store for us on today. So we're excited to be in your presence, God, and we thank you for another opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Coda is so corny with this whoop whoop like it's before. Like anyway, so. Thanks for joining another conversation. You know, I lead Bible studies every Tuesday with my young adult ministry. Hold on, Dana, who are you? Oh, please. <laughs> I'm Dana Kyle. And, and I'm Cassandra Lenore. <gasps> I didn't know you were going to say it. I'm so excited. I love you. Okay, I'm going to shut up. See the enthusiasm on my face. Anyway, Dana Kyle and Cassandra, moving forward. <laughs> You know, every Tuesday I lead Bible study with my young adult ministry, which is open to the public. So if you ever want to join, just ask us and I'll send you a Zoom link. And the last two weeks we have been discussing character. So we're in Philippians 2 now, and we were literally in the last half of the verse of the book, rather. And Paul is sending Timothy and Ephroditus. Well, he wants to send Timothy. He hasn't sent Timothy yet, but he is sending Ephroditus. But something he says about Timothy is what sparked our conversation about character because he says he sends Timothy to, or he wants to send Timothy to the church at Philippi while he's imprisoned in Rome because 
in Philippians 2, 20 through 22, he says, for I have no one else in the new American standard Bible version. It says, for I have no one else of kindred spirit. In other versions, it says of like mind, I have no one else, whatever. But I liked this version because I think it really sparked the conversation. So for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Talking about the church. For they all seek after, and when he says they, he's speaking about people in the church too, but anyway. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus, but you know of his, meaning Timothy's, proven worth. And in the King James Version, it says, you know of his proven character. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And then in other versions, it says like um, Paul's own child. So... That whole kindred of spirit thing was like, I never saw a verse that actually says kindred spirits, even though people in conversation and colloquially will say, that's my kin, kindred spirits, I have a kindred spirit, ah, ah, ah. So when I saw that, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And knowing that kindred suggests a group of people that are related by something that they have in common. Now, usually it could be in reference to blood, meaning your kin, your kindred, your family, your bloodline. But when we say kindred spirit, you're obviously saying that the thing that y'all hold in common is y'all have like spirits. And so obviously in this verse is talking about the Holy Spirit. But another thing that kindred suggests is a commonality in character. And so when Paul is telling Timothy like, or saying that Timothy is of kindred spirit, meaning Holy Spirit, but also we have this commonality in character because he goes on to say the things of Timothy's character that have been proven because it says, you know, of his proven character and you know that he has genuine interests for you and not himself and that he'll serve those genuine interests for you and not himself. So it goes on to speak about character. So when he says, I have no one else of kindred spirit, we really fo focused in not in the commonality of Holy Spirit, but the commonality of character. And so it reminds me obviously of the saying all skin folk and kin folk which has been more popularly or recently coming to the mainstream because Tamika Mallory said it when she was talking about the AG in Kentucky claimed to be black blah 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 but I first heard it a couple of years ago maybe like 2014 and 15 when I was at my homegirls she was in grad school in San Francisco and they had it was a PWI school a predominantly white institution but they had a black graduation for black students and one of the professors spoke and he said all skin folk ain't kin folk and so that's when I first heard it and so I've always lived by that had that in my pocket and remembered that when I'm dealing with kin folk so in recognizing that all skin folk ain't kin folk here Paul is saying that there are people in the church who are not of the same kindred spirit. Because he's saying, this is why I sent Timothy, because he is, which means there's people that are not. And then he even goes on to say, for there are people there who only seek their own interests, not like Timothy. And when he says they, if you study the book of Philippians, he's talking about the people in the church, because he's specifically directing this letter to the church of Philippi. So even amongst the people in the church, there are people that are not of kindred spirit when we're talking about character. So that just brought me into the conversation today that all Jesus folk and kinfolk. I love that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're all kinfolk by means of commonality of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But we all ain't kinfolk by commonality of character. <laughs> so, yeah, that just brought me into, or brought us into the study of what it means to be a kin spirit or of kin character with Paul who obviously had this commonality with Timothy, but 
deeper than that, he had that commonality with Jesus. So because Paul was a true follower of Christ and he had these character traits that he emulated from Christ, Timothy can then emulate those from Paul. So it just continues to be lineal. And that's why Paul was even sending Timothy to the church at Philippi because he wanted Timothy to be an example for the church to emulate. So it all just really comes down to having the character trait of Jesus. Yeah. And so that just leads me into three questions I wanted to ask for today's conversation. And I'm gonna say them all together, even though I don't always like to do compound questions because it's too much going on, but just because I think they all work together. My first question I want to talk about today is, well, first, Auntie Johnny said hi. Hi, Auntie Johnny, 70s in the house. She is 71. <laughs> she looks so good. Black don't crack. Now that's one thing about black, that's true. That's, that's a whole fact. So, and then Ramon said, they my color, but they ain't my kind. Woo, yes. And that's his grandfather, Edgar Coombs. They my oh, grandpa. Yeah. Yes, they my, they my Christians. They my brothers and sisters in Christ, but they may not be my kind. So following that, what character traits are of your kind? Mm. You're truly a follower of Christ. So what character traits are in common with Paul and thus as it flows Timothy, but mainly as it flows from Christ. So what what character traits do you as a Christian or maybe even a non-believer think are necessary to be in common with Christ? And then where do you get that notion from? Do you get that from your experience with other Christians or do you get that notion from the word and what the word says your character should be like? I'll just start with those two questions and I'll save my third one for last. I think those are so good because when you sent me the scriptures, I was reading over them. Um, I was just actually reading in uh, Philippians 2 and I wanted to start from the beginning of the chapter. And while I was there, I was like, oh, OK, like, you know, because he tells us like what this character possesses and what it's supposed to embody. And so when we get down to verses 20 through 22, when he's telling us like, you know, he's sending him to be this example because it's proven and all these things, it's not like he leaves it up for us to try to figure out, well, what is the character of Christ and how am I supposed to be exuding these things and how can I become, um, I guess, just a living example or a living sacrifice of this character? Well, you don't have to try to figure it out. Like it clearly says, and that was like, my biggest like takeaway is I love how the word gives us all the answers that we can ever be presented with. So the first question, what are the character traits of Christ's followers? <laughs> well, let me actually too just preface this with context of how do we even define character? Because I want to make sure that people recognize that character is not reputation. That's good. Character is not lip service. Character is your actions because you can say you're a Christian all you want, but if your actions don't line up with that, then that's really not your character. And we talked about um, in the earlier conversation a couple of weeks, maybe if not months ago, about testing things by the spirit and discerning things. And while you can discern someone's character, you can also just see someone's character. So it's not a matter of discerning it by spirit. It's a matter of seeing it. And it's also not a matter of reputation because people that don't like you can say false things about you and then your reputation may precede you. And that reputation may be based off of false animus. It may be based off of false ideas. It may be based off of 
things that people project onto you, because I've had that, people will think that you're one way because wow. they're insecure, they're feeling that way, and they're projecting that on you when your actions have never said that you are that way. So let's be sure to understand before we even get into the um, conversation about what a character traits, what is character? Mm-hmm. Your character is based off of your choices. Your choices develop your habits and your habits forms your character. So what, when I say are these character traits, I'm saying what are the habits of Christ followers? Not what are one-off choices, what are uh, one-off desires, because you can desire to be a better Christian all you want, but if you ain't doing it, you don't have or exude that character. You can desire to be loving all you want, but if every time you see an enemy, you cursing them out, you're not loving. And so you cannot say you have a loving character. And so just having a, a good understanding of what character is before we even get into conversation of what these character traits are. And that's also backed up by the word mm-hmm. because uh, it said funny that Timothy has this proven worth. And like I like the King James version better because it says he has a proven character, which means this character has to be proved. And how do you prove it but by your actions. And in 2 Corinthians 2 9, also written by Paul, he says, For this is why I wrote to you here, he's writing to the church at Corinth, that I might test you mm-hmm. and know whether you are obedient in every whether no and know whether you are obedient in everything. So your character is going to be tested. Are you going to prove certain character traits? So we can go back to the question now. Girl, wait, I got something to say. This is so good. Let me tell you why. So a friend reached out to me, I think on Monday and was like, hey, can you have a mediation? She was like, do you do mediations? I'm like, do I do them? Am I able to? Have I done them? She's like, yeah, I think me and my business partner need a mediation. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, um, Sure. Like, I was like, sure. She was like, yeah, I was thinking that we needed to get some like a professional help. And then I was like, wait, I could just ask Cassandra. Like, she's professional enough. And then I was like, she was like, I, I don't feel like we need anybody certified. And then I said, well, I guess I kind of am certified. I went through the, uh, I was like, I went through the uh, peer mediation training at high school. So we started laughing, you know, it was like real light. Like, I'm like, you know, I went to camp and learned all of these things. So, um, Sure, I'll do a mediation with you all. So the mediation is actually supposed to take place today, like later on this afternoon. So that's why it's so funny that we're having this conversation, because before we can even get into the mediation aspect of it, I was like, well, you know, what's currently going on between you and your business partner that you feel like you need to bring somebody in um, that you guys can discuss these things on your own? And she was like, well, here, I'm going to just let you read it. And so she gave me um, her phone or whatever. And I'm just like reading or she, you know, I'm reading the text message. And while I'm reading the text messages, immediately I'm just like, wait, you know, before I can even step in and talk about the business, let's step talk about how you guys are speaking to one another. Like your responses to one another are aren't even like you're not even communicating from a place of love or from a place of understanding. You're not even taking accountability for the wrongs that you've done. You you know that you guys are doing to one another. Like you're literally just doing the blame game or like. It was just it was it was toxic from the very beginning. I was like, I don't even need to read nobody else's responses because we need to just start with you, you know. And then I just I basically stopped talking about her, stopped talking about the situation and started talking about myself. I was like, you know, I would never think that some of these messages, I mean, some of these 
text messages or whatever were coming from you because I have never seen this side of you. But the way that, you know, I was like, but I also I'm not in business with you and I don't, you know, I don't give you that type of energy. So maybe that's the reason why I have never seen this side of you before. I said, but regardless of if I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to another friend, Dana, whether I'm talking to Malik, you know, I feel like I'm pretty consistent to where you you know what you're going to get from me because I'm giving out of the abundance of my heart. So it does not matter what type of energy somebody is giving me. I'm not going to switch up who I am based off of what they're giving me. And I was like, and of course, you know, we're not perfect. We don't always get it right. I said, but I'm not going to change the contents of my character because even when I have fallen short or stepped into somebody else's shoes and paid them back and gave them back the same energy that they gave me afterwards, I felt so horrible. Like I gave them back the energy that they gave me and they probably moved on with their life. Like they probably continued on with their day, didn't feel any type of way. But I remember just one experience one experience that I had this year that I was giving somebody back the energy that they had gave me or I, I guess I had just like got lost in the moment and afterwards I'm crying I'm repenting I'm reading my bible like I'm like sitting at the foot of the father for the rest of the day because that wasn't who I am or that wasn't what I wanted to exude and so I'm saying all that to say like you know okay what Dana said about it being a one-off you know, like what happens that one time or the decision, whether good or bad, that is revealed or exuded that one time doesn't necessarily dictate the, the contents of your character. But if something is consistently happening and repetitively happening in action and word indeed, like then that's something that we need to examine. So before we even got to de defining what the character of Christ is, I wanted to give that real life example. Like a lot of times we're thinking that, you know, this person is getting on my nerves or just even outside of those situations, we got to like look at ourselves like what am I doing that is making this person react this way? And am I reacting or responding or entering into the conversations Christ-like or the actions Christ-like? And I think that the things that we do, not only the things that we say, but the things that we do are a reflection of our heart. And so we can get, start talking about the character of Christ now. I mean, first, you also got to recognize that character is like you said, not also just uh, determine when things are good, but uh, what do they say in the quote that real character is revealed in adversity? Testing, so, get it proven. So when you're being tested and your back is against the wall as a Christian, what is coming out of you? Are curses coming out of you? Are scriptures coming out of you? When your back is against the wall and you're being tested as a Christian, are you now filled with doubt or are you filled with hope? Mm -hmm. When you're a Christian and your back is against the wall and you have to deal with adversity or difficult people or difficult situations, are you reacting or are you praying? And so let's, when we talk about these character traits, not just say them as flowery words that you want to say, yes, I'm loving, yes, I'm humble, yes, I'm kind. When your back is against your wall, are you humble, loving, and kind? Yeah. So I also like to read between the lines a lot. And so when it comes down to coming up with the character traits that are in, uh, Ramon said, character is illustrated via reaction. He also said that someone's edges under their good church hat. I guess they being snatched. But <laughs> I like to read between the lines. And so obviously there are, common, there are character traits and commonality with Paul and thus as it flows from Christ that are very obvious, like the commandments and like loving someone, et cetera. But reading between some of the lines, 
I think there are also character trait character traits in the Bible that people don't pick up on as easily. So like in Philippians two, uh, when you get down to him talking about when you get down to Paul talking about Aphrodite, who he is sending to the church, he's telling them that they should uh, honor him because he came close to the death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in their service to him. And so we should honor him because he was sacrificial, mm -hmm. because he was interceding and intercessory, mm -hmm. and because he was determined and willing to do the work. So I don't know if those are words that the Bible necessarily uses as character traits that we should have or that God commands us to have, but to be like Aphrodite, who he also talks about being in commonality with Paul, which means commonality with Christ, means that we have to be sacrificial and put not only just put other people's interests above our own, but sacrifice our own interests completely for others mm -hmm. and succeed on their behalf when they are lacking. They were lacking in the sense that they weren't able to get their gifts to Paul in Rome. And then he stepped up and picked up the slack and took it and was the person who did that. But if any Christian kinfolk is lacking, whether it be they're lacking in knowledge, they're lacking in love, they're lacking in service, they're lacking in ability. They might even just be lacking in Christ themselves. Are you going to step up and help them, step in and intercede for them? That's a common trait, a common trait too, if we read between the lines. But you know, other common traits are obviously the ones that we all know to be generous and charitable and loving and the fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to get to some more conversation about character traits that are less talked about. Too. Yeah. And to answer my question number two about where I'm pulling this from, you can obviously pull if you have someone who you believe is in common kinfolk commonality with Christ, mm -hmm. you know, as a Christian, look at them and look at what they exude. Like I know there's a certain deacon at the church and they are a true kinfolk of Christ. And so they do this, that, and the third, and that's a character trait I want to emulate. So obviously you can pull that from your experience. But like you said, first going to the word, what does the word say in terms of what character traits should we be exuding? All right. So um, you already called out one. I had uh, second or Philippians two, verse number three, where it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself than himself. So that was the humility aspect of it. And then in verse number four, where it says, like, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but for the interest of others. You caught that out as well. Like everything ain't about you. <laughs> like and when you get to that, there will be moments in time where things are about you. But. Sometimes we got to get to the place where we step outside of ourselves, be it in conflict, be it in not conflict. And we put our shoe, our feet into the other person's shoes. And that's not always the easiest task um, because that takes you to surrender. It takes you to do what verse three first says to humble yourself, to enter into this place of humility, to surrender I'm going to just say your mindset, because I think it all begins in the mind. Like if you're automatically going to what do I you know, if you're let's just say that you're in conflict or something has occurred, you can automatically think of all the wrong that somebody else done did or why they did it. But you never just took a second to acknowledge that there may be an issue. And instead of me just barking down their neck or cutting them off or 
finding all the fault on their end. Let me take a second to look at this situation from their perspective to see. We can even take it outside of conflict. If there is a homeless person on the street that's asking for money and you feel like you gave them some money and then are they asking for a metro card? <laughs> I'm in New York. So they asking for some money for a metro card and you give them a metro card and then you see them go and I'm giving like a real life example. You see them go and ask somebody else for money for a metro card or for another metro card. You can, you have two options there. You can feel some type of way because like I just gave you money for a metro card. Like why are you, you know, out here asking other people now? It's a scam. You taking advantage or you can step outside of yourself and put yourself in their shoes and like, okay, yeah, I did get this Metro card. You did put this five or $10 on there. And that's going to last me about two to four rides. So what, what am I going to do for the rest? Or, you know, maybe I am asking for money for a Metro card, but I want to sleep on here multiple nights, you know, and we just take a second to step outside of ourselves is a part of, that's a part of your character. Like, how do you, like Ramon said, how do you react to certain situations and circumstances when you're presented with them? And it's not just the fiery situations. Like, how do you respond in the midst of an argument? Like, how do you, what is your heart posture? What is your mindset? What is your actions and responses when someone is homeless or someone is coming up to you? Are you more concerned about, oh, they're going to spend this money on getting drugs than getting food. Like I would rather, I, I know a lot of people say like, I would rather buy them food than give them money. But there's a scripture in the Bible, like give people what they ask for. So I, I, I think the scripture is saying like, you know, if your brother comes to you asking for bread, will you send him home and tell him, I don't forget what the scripture is. This is in the new Testament. But basically what it's saying, like if somebody asks you for bread, don't give them a broom. Like they, you not, they're not asking for work. They're asking for food. So give them the food that they're asking for. If somebody's asking you for money, that is between them and God, what they do with the money. All God has commanded you to do is obey. Use discernment. But at the end of the day, what I'm talking about is the content of your character, your mindset, your heart posture. Like, are you so, fixated on what you think is going going to happen or what you how you want things to happen that you're not taking a step back to see what it is that this person may be enduring and what this person may be experiencing and how my yes can just change or just enlighten their day or just me stepping outside of myself and doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do yeah selflessness is more not more but equally about uh hey sister flowers she said amen Hey, uh, I got on flowers. <laughs> Selflessness is just as much about actions when we talk about character, but that one of that character trait, I believe, also has a lot to do with attitude. Because, like you said, if you have the wrong attitude when you're giving, you're not really selfless. You're just giving. It is Matthew 542. I was trying to read it. It says, give to the one who acts you and do not turn away for from the one who wants to borrow from you. I was trying to find. Thank you, Raymond. About the bread, but I think that was talking about the son was like, which one among you, if your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone and ask for some, some, you give him a serpent? And I what in heaven would give more good gifts? Yeah, I think I was thinking about the one where the man came and asked him, like he had some overnight gifts and came in the middle of the night asking him for food or something. And he was like, no, take your butt home. And he kept coming back like, no, I need help. Like, give it to me. Give me what I'm asking. Asking, asking you shall receive. Knocking the door. That's what leads up to the parable of asking you shall receive. Asking, knocking the door will be open to you. That's I think about persistence. But I guess that's another common character trait is persistency. 
Because ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find. Mm -hmm. Not the shall be open unto you. And then that is Pastor's favorite scripture. <laughs> Matthew 7, 7. And then, uh, oh, another character trait that's in Philippians 2, but as you get closer to the bottom, talking about Aphrodite's and less about Timothy, if you read between the lines, Paul is obviously saying that Aphrodite is diligent and faithful. Mm -hmm. And when I heard the word diligent, that stuck with me because in my profession, you have to do things with due diligence. And if you don't, you can face sanctions or consequences or ethical issues if you don't do things with due diligence. So when we, in my profession, work, we at least have that standard where it's like, well, I did my due part. I did my due care. I acted with effort. And then if we translate that to Christ, can we at least say that we give that same effort, care, and standard to the church and to Christ. So being diligent is another common character trait that I think is less talked about among Christians. Um, and obviously faithfulness, but usually we're talking about God's faithfulness, but what about your faithfulness? Mm -hmm. And so- uh, How are you showing up? Yeah, how are you showing up? Because a lot of times people say, I care about the church, but then when it comes to your ministry work, your work don't really say that you care. And just because you show up don't mean that you care. Because if your level of work is not meeting the standard of decency and excellency, then I don't think you care. And I need you to recognize that. Because people just show up and think because they're singing that they did the work. Oh, baby, no. People think just because they showed up and pressed record on a tape recorder that they showed up. People think just because they came and handed the offering around, they're an usher and they showed up. Baby, that ain't it. Yeah. So let's recognize that the standard of our work shows the character of our spirit. And because if you truly had God's character, you're not just going to give him any old thing. Edges is being snatched, Raymond. Edges is being snatched. But you know, this also applies to our everyday because our life is a ministry, right? And so, yeah, we can talking about the faithfulness of what you're doing inside the four walls of the church, but how are you living your life? And so the work that you're doing, whether you feel like you want to be there or not, this is where God has placed you in this season. How are you showing up for your job? How are you showing up for your business? How are you showing up for your clients? How are you showing up for your customers? How are you showing? I don't care if you work at the, I worked at McDonald's. That was my first job. Like I didn't always want to be there, but at the end of the day, as soon as somebody pulled up to that drive-thru, hi, welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Like I will put on a whole, it wasn't, it wasn't a front. It was me giving my best i wasn't on this thing on microphone like how can i take your order like no i'm smiling like when they come pull up to the window even if i was like trying to drink something real quick like as soon as they pull up to the window hi 575 like i'm giving my best because i want to do everything as if i'm doing it unto god i was 17 18 years old doing my best and now i'm 30 years old still taking that same heart posture like i can literally be going through something but if i have a client call in five minutes i'm going to i do things differently now i take a second to pray prostrate myself get in the right frame of mind and worship but then i'm not allowing what situations or circumstances or sadness that I may be going through to dictate how I show up and what God has called me to steward over. And so I think that a lot of our character 
is revealed through how are we stewarding what God has given us? How are we stewarding our time? How are we stewarding our relationships? How are we stewarding our money? How are we stewarding our businesses, right? So if you want to know what the contents of your character look like, take an inventory of your stewardship over the various areas of your life. And one of the things that it actually mentions in this uh, Philippians 2, it talks about 14, which I know Dana's going to love this. In verse number 14, it says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Like, you can't say like, oh, I got to do this. No, you get to do this. If you're complaining about it, then that is that is revealing what your character and your disposition and your heart posture is towards what it is that God has called you to do. So it is what you do in the church is great and it is for the Lord. What you do in the world is just as great and it's for the Lord. So make sure that when it comes to faithfulness, that you are doing things as if you're doing them unto Christ. If it comes to you giving some homeless, a homeless person some money, are you acting like they Jesus? Because they could be some angels in disguise. When it comes to you showing up and doing the work for your church, you to maybe skip cleaning the pew because ain't nobody watching. God watching you. What are you talking about? Clean this pew. And if you just like, I'm a just. I'm spraying but you you complaining and you mumbling, you groaning. Then you might as well not do it because you you doing it with a wrong heart. You are doing it with a wrong heart, and you're gonna get judged for that heart posture. <laughs> How exciting! <laughs> Raymond, no, but we got to got to think about too the way you show it up. If you're even showing up to do the work, because that's another character trait of Jesus, Paul, Timothy, Ephrodite. They showed up to do the work. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Baby, are you sitting back in the pew and not doing nothing? Because that is not a common character trait of Paul, Timothy, Ephrodite, Jesus, because Jesus did it all. So are you even doing the work or are you saying, I don't like this church. I'm tired of this church. And you just sitting there and showing up to receive the word and bouncing. Because, okay, sure, you're a Christian. We can folk. But like I said, all Jesus folk ain't can folk. So just because you showing up, if you're not doing the work, can you really say that you really kinfolk? Because kinfolk of Jesus do the work. Yeah. And just like you were saying, the good characters of how to do the work, maybe you could check Proverbs and look at the bad character traits that they talk about. Because if you're doing it lazy, then maybe your character, is, your character trait is laziness. But we know what the word says about people who are lazy. So like Cassandra said, if you just doing it are you just doing it that way because you don't want to do it or maybe you're just doing it that way because you have a character trait of laziness and you don't know how to actually put in work yeah and it, so okay i'm sorry just because uh paul calls timothy his fellow worker in other translations he calls him his co-worker and then we were having a conversation about whether or not everybody in the body of christ are your co-workers and why you could make that analogous to like if everybody works in a building, in an office building, we're all co-workers. But I pro proffered that when Paul is talking about it in this context, he's talking about the work, not just the fact that we at work. Everybody in the body of Christ don't do the work. Mm -hmm. Hairlines, baby, edges, it's all gone. <laughs> but everybody in the body of Christ does not show up to do the work. So just because you're my brother in Christ does not mean you're my fellow worker. Because to me, my fellow worker means you're out here doing the work with me. I don't know if everybody doing that, but that's a common common. That's a common character trait to be in line or to be kinfolk with Paul, Timothy, Ephrodite, and as it flows, Jesus. So, if you want to be kinfolk to Jesus, are you doing the work? And how are you doing the work? And I was looking. I'm sorry. I was looking for. I was looking for a scripture. 
Because the way it comes to mind is, are you even acknowledging or recognizing what your work is? A lot of people don't know what their work is. Exactly. And it can be something that you don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be as big or as clearly planned, like clearly defined, like I'm the janitor or I'm a usher or I'm a minister at the church. Like what me and Dana are doing through covenant conversations is a form of ministry. Even if we did not quote one scripture, God just calling us to come together, pray, have conversations on live stream is ministering to somebody somewhere because people showing up every week. And so if we came in here like, oh, I got to do this again. I don't want to. I'm over it. I got a bad attitude. Uh, how is God going to move through us? And so when the scripture talks about give out of the abundance of your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. How are you giving? Not just giving your money. How are you giving your time? How are you giving in your discipline? How are you steward? Like giving it all still stems back to how am I walking out this work? After I identify what it is, am I doing things grudgingly? Am I doing it of necessity? Am I doing it from a heart posture or mindset because I have to and I'm obligated? Or do I look at it like this is an opportunity for me to further serve the Lord and show up how he has called me to show up in big and small things? When I when I was praying us in, I literally said, God, and I ended I, I ended with something like, and God, thank you for the opportunity. Because it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity that we don't take lightly. We don't take for granted. We can literally not say no. Me and Dana can have a meeting and say, we think that this is a, we need to come to the end and have one final covenant conversation and move on to our next thing. But God has not instructed us to do that. So in the meeting, in between time, we're going to still show up. We're going to still pray. We're going to still, we fast and we, we do what we feel like is required in the spiritual and in the natural to do, to be. I guess to live out and do the work and to be in obedience with God. And so I want to encourage everybody. We're talking about character, but and we're talking about doing the work, but recognize what the work is because it's not always as big as you think it is. It could be God instructing you to get on Facebook Live. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to be like, I don't want to get on live. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't like, okay. And when you're done not liking it, be obedient. Forget the likes and dislikes and do what must be done. A quote I love to live by, but also just to add, administrative work is work too. People mm-hmm. think that just because you file and stuff, you're not administrative work is work too. But anyway, just to bring this to a close, I want to ask the final third question, which I said I had three. So the last question is: After we have identified these traits, or maybe you have identified other traits that we haven't talked about or that you haven't put in the comments, but after you've identified these common traits that makes you kinfolk with Paul, Timothy, and Aphrodite, and thus as it flows, Jesus. Do you yourself exude those traits? Mm-hmm. And I, when I proffered this to my ministry, I told them, don't ask yourself that because you could think that you're one way. Ask people that know you, but people that know you, not people that know of you. Because like I said, reputation and character. A lot of people ask about Dana, but very few people know Dana. Very few. So don't ask. You like, mean that, baby. I mean that from the bottom of my heart because baby, whatever, we ain't going to get there. But Ask people, not that know of you, but that know you, whether that be your closest best friend, your BFF, or a family member, or a mentor, or a mentee, but people that not only know you, but have known you in adversity, have known you in difficult situations, because like we said, too, character is tested in adversity, not when things are good. So when I ask, do you exude these character traits, I implore you to not just do a knee-jerk reaction and say, yes. 
actually not only self-reflect, but reflect by asking people around you. Because maybe you think you have a certain character trait that you don't have. And you don't like the fact that you're giving off a different character because you think that you're that you are of character of a hard worker. But then your boss could say, oh baby, no, you give me sloppy work all the time. So you really think you're a hard worker? You could think that all you want, but like I said, this is about action. This is about testing and proving, which will lead me to just close this out in 2 Timothy 2.15 that says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So you're not just proving yourself to yourself. You're not just being tested and proven by your fellow kinfolk, but you're being tested and proved by God. And that should be the most important person that you want to be approved by. So do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, meaning by your character. A worker, meaning you doing the work, not just being a hearer of the word or a bystander of the word, but a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's good. Um, and I would definitely encourage you, like she said, to ask yourself and ask those people. But first, I, I challenge you to ask God because he's he not going to shortchange you and he's going to keep it real. And then even in asking him after he reveals some of those things and, you know, he, ask him how to help you to become stronger in those areas so that you can start walking out and working and exuding the character of Christ in the various areas and aspects of your life. But also be discerning and let God lead you, because a lot of times we can't ask our best friend. I told you guys on our last conversation, like I wanted when I was presented with that obstacle that I experienced that I told you guys about. I wanted to call my best friend, but I knew my best friend was going to be writing for me like she was going to be saying everything that I wanted her to say. And I didn't need that in that moment. And so when it comes to like definitely go to the people that know you but be discerning because we also wanted to be the people who are obedient and heated to the spirit of God who are willing and able to be truthful with you because it's not always an easy conversation to be truthful with somebody that you love and so even if we don't want anything to be sugar-coated, right? We want things to be said gingerly. We want it, you know, we want to still be the salt of the earth because salt makes bitter things better. And this may be a bitter situation, but we still want the truth because it is the truth that sets us free. So that's my closing. Amen. It's already 45 minutes, so I'll just close this out unless there's any other comments. But Yes, okay, so dear God, thank you for another day and another conversation. Thank you for being in the midst and allowing us to have an entertaining and light, light conversation amongst our friends and amongst each other and amongst our Facebook community, but also with you. Thank you for using this light moment, this entertaining moment to still edify us, to still teach us and give us reproof, to still help us and give us the guiding blueprint that we need to be more like you so that we can truly say we are your kinfolk. Let us not just be hearers, but doers of your word. Let us not be bystanders, but do the work. Let us be of common character trait of the people in the Bible that you have set before us as prime examples, as your disciples, as your followers of Christ, so that we may be disciples ourselves and that we can be an example for others to look at as well. Thank you for the examples you set out before us, starting and most importantly with your son, Christ Jesus, who you sent for us. So as you continue to gingerly and 
patiently and lovingly reveal our character to us. Let us not shut down from it. Let us heed it. Let us receive it. Let us have accountability and actually say, yes, this is true. And not try and come up with excuses or justify our actions, but actually sit in the truth and understand the character traits that you have revealed to us so that if they are not of you, that we can work on changing it so that we can be more like you. So thank you once again for this conversation, this opportunity, and for being with us as our great example. In Jesus' name I pray and for his sake, amen. Amen. Well, we don't got double edges. <laughs> they are broken. Come to snatch edges and tell the truth. They are broken. Anyway. All right, so you guys can join us next week for another Covenant Conversation. If you would like to listen to previous conversations, you can do so by on all streaming platforms by typing in Covenant Conversations. Um, they are on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Um, if you want to keep up to date and follow us on social media, our Instagram handle is Covenant Conversation, no S. Streaming platforms is Covenant Conversations with an S. And on our Facebook, it is Covenant Conversations. And you can join us live every Thursday at noon. So be sure to stay up to date by following us on social media. And we look forward to having another Covenant Conversation with you guys next week. Have a great one. <laughs> You are so. <laughs> what? Love y'all. Bye. Who am I? Am I?